Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. See, God, when he designed human beings, he designed everybody to worship. So you you can't go and divide people into this. Well, here's the people that worship, and here's the people that don't worship. No, 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 no. Everybody worships something or somebody. It's just a matter of who or what. What is the most value in your life? What do you value the most? What thing? Whatever. Some of you value all kinds of crazy things. What do you spend your time doing and what do you spend your money on? Answering these questions may reveal who or what you could be worshiping in your life. Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that God designed all of us to worship. Who or what you worship is up to you, but our purpose in life is to bring God glory, to worship Him with our lives. Worship is more than just singing in church on a Sunday. You are worshiping all throughout the week with your actions and thought life. What do you think people around you would say that you worship today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message, Introducing Our Loving Personal God to Others. I say the word God, what comes to your mind? Now, what comes to our mind usually inside a church is very different than what comes into minds of people that are unbelievers and outside the church. A.W. Tozer makes this statement. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You see, the minds of people that don't know God, they, it's not really on their radar. You'll hear swear words, God, mm, but it's the, the real meaning of God, the real understanding of God is not there. In fact, many people, could be even here this morning, are angry at God. If you mention God, oh, I'm angry at God, let this happen, and this and that. Other people, of course, are confused. Well, kind of know about that. I went to church when I was a kid, but not too much into it anymore. And then, of course, we have lots of people that claim they're atheists and they don't have any belief in God at all. Well, those beliefs are very common. It's not changed since really the beginning of time when sin entered our world. 2,000 years ago, Paul walks into this amazing city, still a city today, Athens, Greece. He walks into this city and he discovers that Basically, almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody in that city had the wrong concept about God. Totally wrong concept about God. So 
we're going to see today two or three things. We're going to see how to think right about God. What, what should come to our mind when we think about God, since it's so important. And one of the words that you're going to see all the way through the passage today in all of our campuses is the word worship. Well, what does it mean to worship? Why should we worship, hello, God? And then right at the beginning, you're going to watch Paul and watch how he shares the good news with others. So we got a great thing. So let's, let's talk about worship to start. I'll give you two definitions of it. You can write either one down that you like this morning. Here we go. Worship. To assign worth or value, now notice, to something or someone. I like the personal definition, worship. My response to what I value the most. So I have a little hashtag called. You can put it on your Facebook or Twitter and all that stuff today. Wired to worship. You see, God, when he designed human beings, he designed everybody to worship. So you you can't go and divide people into this. Well, here's the people that worship, and here's the people that don't worship. No, 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 no. Everybody worships something or somebody. It's just a matter of who or what. What is the most value in your life? What do you value the most? What thing? Whatever. Some of you value all kinds of crazy things. Now, what's the danger of having the wrong value, having the wrong person or thing to worship? Here it is. Write this down this morning. What we worship, what we value the most, actually becomes our God actually becomes our God. You know, Pastor Mark, I mean, we're, we're, we're in Florida. We don't have idols. We don't do all the... No, you, you misunderstand. What can become an idol in my life? Well, possessions, money, power, pleasure, position, another business, another person. And we learned last week, the rich young ruler came to Jesus. He was a Jewish man, kept the law, he said, and he, he, was, he was searching for eternal life. And Jesus said, well... Mm, uh, one thing is got, you got wrong. Money has become your God. That, that's the driving force. You value that more than anything else. So give away your money. Come follow me. What did he do? Whoop, he left. Because what? That was his God. He could not give up money as his God. So this morning, what, what is your, what do you value? Who, what, where? Now, what could be the biggest idol? The biggest idol in the world is me. I want what I want. I value me sometimes, this is your pastor speaking, even more than God. Say, no, you, no, I want my will. Been there, done that, haven't you? Of course. So the biggest idol is not something made of stone. The biggest idol is you and me deciding to do what we want. It started in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve went, oh, we can't eat that. And there, here we go. I want to be God. So we struggle with this thing called worship. Worship. An idol basically is this, someone or something that takes place of God. We say to God, "Mm, excuse me, move over and down. And I put myself or a relationship or money or sports or a business first. It's what we value. But the Bible tells us that's wrong. The Bible tells us exactly who we should worship. Now, Exodus 20. You must not have any other God but me. God speaking, of course. 
You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image. You just took an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or the sea. Now watch this. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. So what is the summary of what God is saying? Why, why would he say this? Because he knew from the beginning when Satan was in heaven, what did Satan say? I'm not worshiping you. I want to be God. And my whole goal is to have the world worship me. So God put this in the Ten Commandments. Here's what you want to write this morning. Understand this principle. Man was created to worship only God. Now, you were created to worship. It's inherent in you. You will worship someone or something. Well, I'm not a worshiper. No, 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 no. Everybody's a worshiper. And I'm to create it. I was created to worship only God. And so what happens with that? I make God look good. What does it mean to worship only God? It means to put God first in our decisions, in our lives, in the things that we do in everyday life. Now watch what Paul finds and what he sees when he walks into this city called Athens. Look at verse 16, Acts 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, this is, this is these keys. I'm going to give you four keys, how to witness in in our world, like you're doing right now, inviting people, challenging people, asking God to open doors so you can share Christ with them. It's number one, write this down. Paul opened his eyes. He saw, see, he, he saw the person the people that were in front of him. You and I, when we're interacting with people, we're we're looking. Who's searching? Who's God going to put in my path? Now, as Paul walked around Athens, here's kind of what we know from historians. The town of Athens, of course, not exact, but probably around 5,000 people 2,000 years ago. You know how many idols historians say were there? 30,000 idols in the city for 5,000 people. Six to one. 30,000 idols, stone idols. Now, when you see that, look at this word. Paul was greatly distressed. Here's the second thing to write. He not only saw these idols with his eyes, he opened his heart. He was burdened. He was angry at Satan's deception. See, this was an incredible city known around the world, kind of lost some of its power and stuff, but but still an important city. And he's saying, how in the world did these people worship a stone? They're brilliant. How could that be? And so he was so angry at Satan and his deceptions. So what would he do when he sees this as he walks in? Watch in verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as those in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Third thing you want to write, Paul opened his mouth. He didn't just get hurt in his heart. He opened his mouth to share the good news. So he would go as Paul did, because he was Jewish, he'd go to the synagogue. And of course, in the synagogue are Jews. They believe in the one true God, just one. They understood the commandments. They were written to them. 
They understood there was only one God to worship, God Jehovah. Now, when he went to that synagogue there in Greece, there were not only Jews, there were God-fearing Greeks. There were Greek people, like most of us are Gentile, that actually had come to believe in the one true God. But he didn't leave it there. He, he went there and notice, he, he was ministering to those who were worshiping there. But then he went to the marketplace. And I like the way it says, he went to the marketplace and shared to all who happened to be there, those that would listen to him. So he opened his eyes, he opened his heart, and the next thing is, he's going to open his mouth. That's what we do. Now, why would Paul then go to the marketplace? Why would he, he knew the people in the synagogue believed in the one true God. They weren't worshiping idols. But why would he go to the marketplace? For one reason. Paul understood the value and impact of how many? How many? One. That's you. Who is it in our story? Paul. One person. Watch the impact Paul will have. And see, that's what you and I are supposed to be doing. We're out there looking. We're, we're looking in our neighborhood, places at work. We're looking to see what's happening. This is exactly what happened here. Paul was in the city. He goes to where people are, the marketplace. And he's waiting for God to direct him, a little nudge. That person over there looks like they could use just a, a welcome, a good hello. How are you this morning? Same for us at work, in our neighborhoods, and so forth. So understand, he was looking for divine appointments, open doors, nudges. Now, as he's doing that, look at verse 18. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, now he's to the brilliant people, so-called, began to dispute with him. And some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others said, well, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Do you know the God of Christianity is a foreign God outside these walls? They don't understand our God at all. They certainly don't understand the relationship of a personal God. And Paul was seeing that. So he, he, he not only shares in the synagogue churches, but he goes to the marketplaces, and now these people from the university are there. And you're going to see the rest of his whole time is with them, these highly educated philosophers. Now, when Paul went there, what did he say? He didn't say to these people, hey, is there a big red bus that can give me a city tour of Athens? I'd like to get on that baby. Well, he wasn't there for a vacation. Here's number four you want to write. Paul shared the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. A risen Savior is what all of salvation hangs on. These people didn't even believe in the resurrection. Of course, they wouldn't understand it. Outside these walls, people don't believe in that. And so that is something that eventually has to come up. Now, when these people get together, they're making fun and asking, what's this strange thing you're talking about? They're always doing that. Look at verse 19. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. Uh, that's uh, kind of just this Mars Hill thing, uh, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? In other words, they'd never heard, they never heard these words, the resurrection, Jesus Christ, the gospel, never heard those words outside our buildings. Most people today have never heard those words. They don't understand them at all. May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears 
and we want to know what they mean. And all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there, watch what they did. They spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. You know, sometimes when we get to these people who are very smart, you know what happens? They're too smart for their own britches. All they do is talk about the newest thing. Hey, did you see the article on the internet? And there's a verse. Let me share you this verse. It's a powerful verse. It comes up in the scripture. It says this, Second Timothy. Always learning, listen, and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. You see, if you're always searching for something, and when the truth is presented, I don't, then it's going to, it's going to that. That's what these people did. They, they discussed, they spent their whole time, what a waste of time, and never could come to truth. So Paul's there, I'm, he says, I'm going to make it very short, I'm going to give you the truth. Now, verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, Mars Hill, and said, men of Athens, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are, say it with me, very what? Religious. Well, Pastor Mark, that's, that's like a good thing, isn't it? Not really. But he's going to use it as a good thing. What is religion? Religion is man trying to reach up to God by being what? Good enough. Religion usually is form, rules, ritual. You go into a church service. You go through the form. You go through the ritual. And you leave pretty much like you walked out, walked in. There's no change in you. There's no life. There's no spirit of God. It's, it's just form. Nothing wrong with form. We have form here. What Paul is saying there is, you're very religious. Now, watch what he says in verse 23. For as I walked around, watch these words, I looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown I am going to proclaim to you. So what did that look like? When Paul walked around, notice something very important. First thing, they were worshiping. How do I know that? Because that's what this Every person is created to worship. It's a matter of who or what you worship. I'm not a worshiper. Yes, you are. Sorry. Something's of value, and that's what you worship. So he says, I walked around. I noticed you're very religious. 30,000 idols, and they're worshiping. They're bowing down to them. They're asking favors from these pieces of stone. And look what also he says. As I walked around, I saw this very strange thing. Please worship the unknown God. Now, why would they make a idol, a piece of stone, and, and say, this is the unknown God you can order. Because they were so religious, here's what they were thinking. Maybe we forgot one. Now, don't laugh because they're very serious. See, they're very religious. We, we want to cover all our bases. So here's an unknown God. Now, these Gentiles didn't have any background in the scripture. So Paul's looking for a bridge, some tack to get to them because he wants to share the gospel. And notice what, what his bridge is. You're very religious. Now, I want you to leave this up here. Notice 
Notice Paul didn't walk in and he's here talking. Uh, you're going to be all the, the, the Greek philosophers at our campus. You're looking. He's talking. He go, and Paul walks in. And he goes, you know, I, I, I see you're very religious and you total idiots. You're worshiping a stone. What is wrong with you? Are you crazy? That stone can't do anything for you. Can't hear, can't speak, can't help you. You're idiots. Now let me talk to you about Christ. You think that would work? Now, not enough of you said no. <laughs> that would never work. See, if you go to a person that believes in idols or whatever, and you say that, you've lost already. So he says, I, I see you're worshiping. That's a good thing. The problem is who you're worshiping. Do you understand? We don't make fun of people. Because they're serious, they're, they, they, they're doing all they know. They're worshiping a stone who can't touch, who can't feel, has no personality, has nothing, can't help them at all. But that's all they know. And so notice what Paul says. Basically, he says this. Uh, look at verse 23. Uh, I even found an altar with this description to the unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. So he's going to introduce them, these highly educated, deeply religious, clueless people to the one true God. But he's building a bridge. He's using tact to get to them. He's not tearing them down. I see your worshipers. But let me clarify some things. See, by nature, they were worshipers. They didn't know why they worshiped. We already learned God created us all to be worshipers. They didn't understand that. So Paul says, I'm going to introduce you to the one that I know. So here's what VIO is all about. Just look at this next statement. This is why we're in the world. This is why God's place is here, to share the gospel. VIO, introduce people to our living, personal God. Outside these walls, some people believe in a God. There's a whole belief that's false called deism. Which simply means this. Oh, I, be, I believe in God. Absolutely, I believe in God. He's the creator of everything. I believe in him. But Deists say this. When God created man, he created them. And then he said to them, see ya. I'll have nothing to do with you till you get to heaven. Have a nice life on your own. He said, Pastor Mark, who would believe that? Oh, there's millions of people that believe that. God is aloof. He's not interested to be in your life. He doesn't want to have anything to do with you. He just put you here. Now have a nice life. That's not at all. You'll see that's not at all what Paul's going to say. Very, very different. Some of you think maybe God is unknowable. No, it's not true. He's a very personal God. Now, when, when Paul is evangelizing unbelievers who know nothing about the Bible, he usually goes back to one thing, creation, creation. Paul was teaching that though they were religious... There was no personal relationship with God. They knew about God, but they didn't know God personally. What we worship, what we value the most becomes our God. Today, Pastor Mark challenged us to consider who holds the throne in our life and in our minds. Do you think of yourself or God as number one? Often the biggest idol in our lives can be self. The Lord has wired every one of us to worship. Scripture tells us who we should worship. Does your lifestyle today reflect worship of our God or something else? Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of Paul's ministry in the city of Athens in Acts 17. Paul is someone who understood the value and impact of one because he experienced it firsthand from Jesus himself. As Paul sees the city preaching false truths and worshiping idols, his heart is burdened and he's bold enough to share the gospel. As believers, we too should approach this world humbly with the message of Christ. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Acts. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is given